0: Okay so last time we left off I was waiting for a bus to Mandalay and I described it as the trip from hell, the worst bus ride of my life and this is why. We get on the bus and take our seats which are around near the back about three quarters the way and I immediately notice that there's no toilet on this bus and this is a 10 hour bus ride. We're going to arrive in Mandalay I don't know, really late at night, around 2, 3 in the morning. So we start driving, and uh, along the way, the bus continues to stop and pick people up. But there's no more spots left, so I'm kind of curious to see what's going on. As it turns out, the aisle became seating for new people. So they had little plastic like footstools that they'd put in the aisle, and you know, they just cram people in there and they would sit in the aisle. So you couldn't move. You couldn't get up. You couldn't go to the front. You couldn't do anything. You're just stuck to your seat. And there was a guy sitting on the aisle right next to you, which wasn't that big of a deal. It's just kind of interesting. And I have a picture of that. I posted on my Facebook. I I just show like the crowded bus. So after about Four hours into the bus ride. And at this time, because we took the bus at like, say, three o'clock in the afternoon, by this time it was nighttime and nobody speaks English. So we don't really like some, they make some announcements and they stop off and let people off and some people get on and, and we don't really know what's going on. Is this a bathroom break? Are we, are we able to get off? And even if you could, even if you wanted to get off, you couldn't because the aisle was packed with people after about the four hour mark, my stomach starts acting up, you know, something that I'm like, okay, this, this is something to worry about. I, this is a problem. I've definitely felt uncomfortable. And in the past, for the past, whatever, two weeks since we are on vacation, uh, I have been a little backed up, so to speak. I haven't been able to use the washroom. And when I do, it's these like really hard little turds that come out and it takes like an hour to get a little turd out. So this isn't good. And my stomach starts churning and I feel like there's gas built up into my bowels, which are causing expansion and it's very painful cramps. So I've got my thumb underneath the waist of my quick dry... Adidas shorts, like the type you'd work out in or something like that. And I have my thumb underneath the waist and I'm pulling it up to relieve some of the pressure. And I don't tell Sarah about any of this. I just kind of keep it on the down low because usually when I'm in situations where I'm feeling uncomfortable or I'm ill or I'm in pain or something like that, I like to keep it quiet for two reasons. One, because nobody likes a complainer. I mean, what is Sarah going to do about it? Number two, if I tell her about it, she's just going to want to talk about it. Like, you know, every 15 minutes or every whatever, she's going to be like, "Hey man, are you okay? Are you okay?" You know, it's like kind of like when you get a sunburn and everyone's like, "Ooh, look at the sunburn." It's like, "Yeah, I know I have a sunburn. Stop pointing it out every 10 seconds, right? Just making it worse." So that's that's why I don't really like to talk about it. So for I'd say an hour I was not doing good. I, I was feeling like I had to use the washroom, and I was just hoping that I could maybe relieve some of this pressure by maybe farting or something like that, but that was not the case. It just got worse, so I started thinking about like happy thoughts, thinking about situations where I'm like playing with my cat or... I'm swimming or you know doing something, and uh, you know, I'm just trying to go to my happy place, just trying to take my mind off this pain. To make matters worse, this bus ride is very bumpy. It's going down a dirt road. It's bouncing up and down. It's the most violent, shaky ride that you have ever experienced. Everything's just swaying back and forth and bouncing and, and vibrating. And, and on top of that, they had this TV at the front. And we was playing like, I don't know, some sort of Burmese game show. And it was kind of like an improv show. Not like, whose line is it anyway? But, you know, it was in Burmese. I didn't really know what was going on. So to listen to the volume, they have the volume cranked up. And it's blasting out through all the speakers. So there's a speaker above my head and everybody else's head. And the whole bus, it's so loud with this speaker you can't deny it. You can't shut it off. You can't opt out. You have to listen to this. And there's only two ways to look, essentially. You can either look outside, which is pitch black, or you can look straight ahead, which is this game show. But this game show, these people are screaming in this other language, like, ah, 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 ah. Oh no no no! Da 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 da, da. Oh no no! Like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, like, all time. And they're laughing, ha ah, ah, ha ah, ah. ha ha! And they're like, Oh my god, so that was pumping through the speakers at full blast. The bus is shaking, it's rocking, and I've got cramps that are getting worse and worse and worse. So the bus stops at one point, and people are getting off. So I have no choice but to see if I can kind of navigate my way through the crowd and ask the guy if I can go to the washroom or go for the bathroom break. But I'm a little kind of hesitant to do that because you know nobody speaks english i don't want to really get up because that might make situations worse i don't want to trudge through these people cuz that's not likely you know one the the aisle is not like a normal aisle in a bus like a like a public bus it's it's narrow it's like a foot long so you got these people you can't go by them you have to crawl over them so what i did was there happened to be a guy like three chairs ahead of me and I asked him, like, oh, hey, is this a bathroom stop? He's like, no, uh, we're stopping in in an hour so uh, for, for a bathroom break. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. So I sit back down. Sarah still has no idea that I'm in pain, and I just try to block it out. I'm like, okay, an hour. You can do this. I can do this. I keep trying to, like, pump myself up. I can do this. And I'm breathing heavy. I'm sweating at this point because the bus is hot. I don't think the AC is working. And I'm getting... I'm getting really crazy cramps because there's gas that is expanding. I feel like my insides are going to explode and I'm just like breathing like Lamaze techniques, right? Essentially just trying to relieve the pressure, take my mind off it. But it's, it's impossible because the bus is vibrating and shaking and the music is ah, and the people, I feel kind of a little bit claustrophobic and, and trapped and that's kind of, you know, building some anxiety in me. So what I do in this situation is I pray to God, and I'm not a religious person. I'm not anti-God or anything like that. Just because you're not religious doesn't mean you don't believe in God. In fact, I think the only rational belief in that is to be agnostic. I mean, I don't know if there's a God. I don't know if there isn't a God, and neither does anybody else. So in times like this, I like to reach out and say, hey, if there is a God— Please help me in this situation. And I like to barter, even though I don't know if that's the right thing to do. But I'm like, listen, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you kind of thing. I'll be a good person or I'll donate my time to charity or I'll, you know, be nice to people. I don't know. I, I try to make a, uh, a bargain. So that's what I do. I'm at I'm at that point. I've got no other choice. 20 minutes into this thing, because they have a big clock that's right by the TV and it's counting down. And when you stare at time or where you're conscious of time, it goes very, very slowly. So I managed to make it about 20 minutes, which is longer than I thought I would make. And I have another 40 to go. It's just, it's not happening. So I, I prayed to God. I said, God, relieve this pressure. Tell me away. Just, just relieve this pressure. I don't want to feel this pain anymore. I can't take it anymore. Take this away from me. Give me an answer to this problem and I'll do this for you. I can't remember what I said. And then poof, the answer comes into my mind almost instantly. (laughs) And it's not the answer that I wanted to hear, but Hey, it was an answer. And the answer I came, I'm not saying it was God that was talking to me. It just could have been my own imagination or whatever. But what I came up with was to poo my pants. <laughs> so so I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I got my answer. And I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I already had a strategy. Okay, they had this little barf bag, which was a, like a little plastic bag. And in the past, all my turds have been really rock hard, tiny little turds. So I'm like, okay, great what i'll do is i'll squeeze this out into my my underwear which is tight it's like a boxer brief so it's not going to leak out or anything like that and then i'll just casually reach down with a bag around my hand kind of like you know people pick up their dog poop they they have the bag around their hand and then they they pinch the turd and then they take the bag off their hand and they scoop it around so you don't have to touch it. So I'm like, oh, that'll be easy because it'll be, it's not soft. It's this hard little nugget. I'll pick it up. I'll wrap it up in this plastic and nobody will know the difference. I'll just be really discreet about it. So Sarah still has no idea. And I've came to this conclusion. So what I do is I post up on my feet. So I, and I use my back and I slide up the back of the chair. So my bum is off my seat by about four inches and I just go for it. I just relax, and I just push, and I, I've i committed. I've gone to that place where I'm going to take a shit in my pants right now. <laughs> so as it's coming out, I'm like, uh, right? And fortunately, this doesn't attract attention of anyone, but it's not a little turd. It's a massive turd, and it's not hard at all. It's soft like soft serve ice cream and it pours into my underwear and I immediately feel better. But I also kind of know that this is going to be a bigger situation than I thought. This whole plastic bag thing is not going to work. So I still want to be casual about it because, you know, I'm embarrassed and it's just weird. I'm, you know, 31 or 32 year old man and I just shit my pants on this bus in the middle of nowhere on a packed bus. So... What I do is sit down into my own shit. And I feel great. Other than sitting in your own shit, my stomach feels amazing. And I'm (laughs) and Sarah, Sarah starts to smell it. The smell starts coming up. And she looks at me. And if you ever you know the difference between a fart and a poo like smelling a live poo that's just chilling there there's a big difference right so she looks at me weird and i'm like flush red in the face i've got beads of sweat pouring down i'm not looking good she's like are you okay i go sarah i've got something terrible to tell you um and i'm not sure how to tell this to you but i'm just gonna say it but i (laughs) i just took a shit (laughs) i just took a shit in my pants And she's like, "Are you being serious?" I go, "Yeah, I'm being serious." And she's like, "Oh fuck, I can smell it, right?" (laughs) So she starts, (laughs) she starts (laughs) kind of freaking out, right? Like, "Oh fuck, I think I'm gonna puke, right?" I'm like, "Just chill out, just chill out, don't draw attention to us, right?" And there's a guy sitting in the aisle, literally inches his his head is inches away from my anus like he's sitting down on this tiny stool and you know maybe the top of his head comes up to like my armpit or something like that and he's right by me so I'm like yeah what should I do right and she's like well I don't know why don't you scoop it in this plastic bag I'm like uh okay I can try she came up with the same idea that I did but I know a little bit more than she does. And she goes, take this other bag. Cause we have two bags, you know, one for her barf bag that was tucked into the seat ahead of her and one for me. So I wrap the plastic around my hand discreetly. I put my hands in down the front of my shorts and I, I lift up again, kind of like how I did earlier and I pinch as much as I can, but I can feel that there's not a turd in there. It's just a saucy mess <laughs> essentially. So this isn't good at all. And I grab as much as I can. I pinch it and I put my other hand down my pants and I pull the bag off my wrist, over my fist, over the poo. And I twist up the end and all, cause I'm doing this, I've got two fists down my pants at this point. The hot, smelly, steamy, air from my underwear escapes and it like reeks the entire bus and Sarah's just like oh I'm gonna puke I'm gonna puke I'm like oh don't think about it don't make it worse than it already is right and she's like oh my god I can smell it so I tie I don't even tie the bag I just twist it up a bit and then I leave it so I'm sitting there there's mud all over my groin all over my thighs my legs and I'm sitting in this hot steamy mess that I've created but I've got no choice and there's another hour well another 40 minutes to go before I can deal with this situation more thoroughly. Sarah suggests that I remove the things from my pockets because I have the shorts that I'm wearing are It's kind of like a cotton short, like a thin cotton, like workout short. So, and she doesn't know the situation. She thinks I had diarrhea in my, in my pants and it's going to leak through my shorts and onto the seat and onto all my, the stuff. I have a wallet that's attached to my waist. That's like tucked under the waist of my shorts. So I remove that, that like really stinks. I take all like the phone and wallet out of my pocket. Those stink. So I'm sitting in the seat with my wrists, like the back of my wrists on my thighs. My fingers are kind of pointed up to the ceiling and I don't want to touch anything. And Sarah gives me her bag and says, Hey, sit on this, put this between your underwear and your shorts because she thinks it's wet and she doesn't want to soak through the seat. So I grab that and I, I sit on that and I'm feeling pretty good, you know, in terms of pain, that's, been relieved but the bus is still shaking violently we got that tv show playing that's been playing for the last four hours and people screaming in my ear all this kind of stuff and i have to go again it's building up again my stomach is cramping up and there's no reason not to and i tell sarah i go look I'm really sorry, but I, I have to go again. She's like, no, don't just hold it. Just hold it. Right. So I look at her and as I'm looking at her, I just, I just start going. I'm like, screw it, man. So I'm looking at her. I'm like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, am pooing right now. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going. She's like, stop, stop. Don't, don't, don't I'm like, no, I can't. There's just, there's just no way this is just too painful. I have to go. So I take another poo in my pants <laughs> And this one is just as big as the first one And maybe even a little bit more saucy So I sit back down I have no more bags I have nothing I mean what am I supposed to do Like, I can't deal with this situation like I did the first time I I don't really want to lift up my shirt I don't want to touch anything So for the next half an hour I just sit in this hot, pooey, saucy log And the whole bus probably reeks of my poo and I just sit there and take it and deal with it. So half an hour later, which actually turned out to be another hour later, the guy told me at the last stop, Oh, it's another hour. It was actually another hour and a half. So had I held out, imagine if I just held out for an hour and like, okay, it should be any minute. Now I I managed to hold out for this hour and drive for another half an hour. That must, that would have felt like an eternity. So, I mean, I don't really regret the choice that I made and I got this tension out of my stomach and I'm feeling other than I'm sitting in hot shit for the last hour and a half, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. And so the bus finally stops in the middle of nowhere. And I can't even really say it's a village because it's just one, I don't even know what it was. It was a restaurant, but there was nothing else around. There's no streetlights. There's no signage. It's just this building in the middle of nowhere and I wait for every single person to clear off that bus. All the people in the aisle get off and we're stopping for, you know, like a half an hour so everyone can eat and use the restroom and that kind of thing. So everyone gets off. All the passengers of the bus get off and I'm the very last person, me and Sarah, cause I'm sitting in the aisle seat, Sarah's sitting in the window. So I get off and I don't really know what the situation's going to be. So what I do is I stick my hands in the pockets of my pants of my shorts, and I cup the poo in my underwear, and I shuffled down the aisle and off the bus. And it's the middle of the night, and there's mosquitoes and things squawking, and there's lizards, and it's I you know it's mud. I'm 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 wearing my sandals. I'm trucking through the mud, and I'm like, hey, where's the washroom? They're like, oh, it's out back. So out back is through the doors of this restaurant. And it's pitch black, there's no lights, and you basically have to walk through this path in this field into kind of like an outhouse area. And there's, you know, a bunch of other passengers from the bus, and so the urinal wasn't a urinal, it was a brick wall. So you got, you know, five guys lined up on a brick wall, pissing on that, and then you have one kind of outhouse thing, and... I need privacy because I don't want to, you know, get naked and deal with this situation with everyone looking at me and with everyone there. Uh, The outhouse has a door on it and it has a light inside, so I'm like, okay, I have to go through this. And this outhouse is the size of like a phone booth; it's tiny. So I open the door, and it is. Covered with bugs There's no toilet It's just like a hole in the ground And it's covered Wall to ceiling to floor With bugs on the walls You know I'm talking Flying insects buzzing around uh, Cockroaches on the floor Flies and fruit flies And mosquitoes It's just It's like buzzing like And it's hot It smells like shit But I have no choice to make So what I do is I go in there and I peel off both layers. No, what I do is I squat and I try to push the poo out of my underwear and into the hole, but I miss and it lands on the side. And I, there's no toilet paper in there, so I'm like, "Okay, hey, well, I don't know how to deal with that. That I guess that's just going to stay there." And so I peel off both layers and bugs are flying around me. They're on my body. They're biting me. I'm now naked from the waist down and I have a really muddy pair of underwear. Like, it's just covered with mud. And my thighs are stained because... I've had this saucy paste on my legs and my crotch for the last hour. So everything is just a complete mess. I happen to have a few napkins in my pockets. But I mean, that's kind of like cleaning up. That's kind of like draining a bathtub and you have one paper towel. I mean, there's just no. it's just not enough. So I do what I can with what I have. Uh, and I just abandon my underwear there. I leave it, which there's no real spot to leave it. I just chucked it there just left it on the floor. And I put my shorts back on and I walk out and there's no, there's nowhere to wash your hands. There's no sink or anything like that. And my hands are completely smelly. They're, they've got, you know, poo all over them. So I walk back to the restaurant and I come across this well kind of thing And inside the well is this little bucket and the well is covered with mosquitoes and it's still water. So I'm assuming that there's massive amounts of bacteria and bugs and larva and things like just it's probably the nastiest water but I have no choice. I have to deal with this situation. So I scoop up this liquid in my hands. And it's pitch black. I can't see what this liquid is. I, I, obviously, it's water. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's not like cow blood or anything like that. So I'm pouring it on my hands. And I'm trying to wash this off. No soap. Wash, wash, wash. Do the best I can. Walk back into the restaurant. And there's toilet paper. They use toilet paper as paper towel. So they have like a roll of toilet paper on each table. So I just went to a table that didn't have anyone sitting there and I wrapped a bunch of toilet paper around my hand and then I went outside and tried to be really discreet and just kind of wiped everything, like wiped my thighs and all my nuts and my my bum and everything and threw that in the garbage. Actually, there was no garbage. There was just like this cardboard box on the floor. I just chucked it in that. I did that again. I did that again. I did like three or four times just to try to get as clean as possible, but got poo on my shirt, poo on my shorts, I stink, my hands stink. Uh, Sarah gives me some hand sanitizer. I do that like four or five times, just hand sanitizer and then another hand sanitizer. My hands still stink, it's a nightmare. So I get back on the bus and we drive for another two hours, maybe three hours and we're sp- and our stop is in four hours. So on the third hour mark, I start to get cramps again really badly and I don't have a layer of protection before, I had underwear that was kind of tied around my thighs so it could kind of hold it in. But now, I don't have that. I have loose shorts. And if I go to the washroom, it's going to f- f- you know, spill down my legs as soon as I stand up. So I definitely can't do that. And I can't be sure that it's going to be in solid form. So going to the washroom, again, is definitely not an option. I'm out of plastic bags. So the next stop, we don't know. We're in Mandalay city, but I don't know what stop is ours. Like it's supposed to be at the three hour mark, but maybe we arrived early. I'm not sure. Nobody speaks English. So I go to the guy that's, that's, uh, you know, some of the aisle is cleared out a bit, not much, but you know, a, a few people have left. And I go to the guy who speaks English, who's three seats ahead of me. I go, Hey, is this our stop? Is this uh, Mandalay city? um and i I hand him a map is like is this where to go he's like no no no, you got to get off the last one i go okay okay and it seems like you know a lot of people are getting off at this stop like half the bus so what i do i don't tell anybody i don't tell sarah where i'm going i just stand up i walk down the aisle i push my way past past the people and i'm sure i stink really badly i get off the bus now If this bus, if the doors close and drives off, I am screwed. I don't have anything. I took my wallet and my phone and my passport. I took everything off. All I am is a guy in sandals, shorts with no underwear, and an athletic tank top. So I have to use the washroom again, and we're in this middle of this muddy parking lot. There's no cement. There's just cars, kind of random cars and buses and stuff, full-size vans, and four inches of mud and puddles and people saying things to me. So I push past those people. People are unloading their bags, and I don't see any bathroom. Like, well, maybe if I go around to the back of the bus, I can you know, take care of business and no one will see me. So I go around to the back of the bus. There's people there talking and so I don't know what to do. So I run about 20 feet. Now I'm 20 feet away from this bus. If those doors close, I'm really screwed. So I have to be quick. So what I do is I squat behind this bus in the mud and I push as hard as I can, as fast as I can, and I squirt out another poo. But it was more like, you know, more liquid than than solid. And I squirt. Squeeze it out as hard as I can. I pull my pants up really discreetly, really quickly, and I get back on the bus, push my way through all the people in the aisle and I sit down. Sarah's like, Where'd you go? I'm like, Oh, I had to take another shit. She's like, Where'd you shit? I'm like I just shit in the parking lot behind some behind some van, right? And uh get to the hotel and wash up and have a shower and all that kind of stuff. My my thighs are still stained for like after the shower it's still like got a stain on it. It's it was a Terrible situation. So we spent a few days in Mandalay, and that was pretty cool. We just checked out some temples and hiked up to the top of this mountain, and which had this amazing view that overlooked the city. So from Mandalay City, we actually got on a plane and flew back to Bangkok. And from Bangkok, we arranged a car service to drive us to this place on the Thailand border, near the Thailand border and the Cambodian border called that, or something like that. And it was a van, and it was still really scary. It drove us through the night, maybe an eight-hour bus ride in the van, and uh, equally as terrifying as the first time we took a car to uh, wherever we took a car to. And it was just bumpy, and they're cutting through lanes and overtaking people. And, yeah, it was really terrifying. So the the AC wasn't working, so it was hot. And, uh, yeah, it's not a good situation. So. Halfway we stop at this like little place to get gas and all the places we got gas it was um not gasoline it was I believe natural gas, so the guy asked us to get out of the car because it might explode it's like dangerous, but I'm like, well, we're only twenty feet away if this thing explodes and we're probably still gonna die and also we have this guy who's driving us who we have we just met him we don't know him. And all our stuff, all our money, passports, electronics are in the van and we're 20 feet away. So I was kind of a little bit nervous. He could just jump in the car and drive off and we'd be screwed. We'd have nothing, right? But fortunately, that wasn't the case. Uh, He didn't take our stuff. On another stop, we stopped to get some gas and I think a bathroom break or something like that. And there was, it's, you know, these are really, really disgusting bathrooms with flies and cockroaches and dead rats and It was it, and there's no toilet paper. There's no toilet. There's no sink. It's just it's disgusting, right? Um, But it's better than crapping your pants. So outside of the, you know, the the guys getting gas, and we're kind of hanging around outside for a few minutes. And there's this tall streetlight type thing that's lighting up the parking lot, and it's got literally like two hundred thousand flies. Or mosquitoes. I think they're mosquitoes like buzzing around. It's like this black cloud just blurgh, around. And there's like geckos everywhere, or, like little tiny lizards because they eat those things. And then there's this like fluttering. Bird type thing. It looked like a bat. We thought it was a bat. It's like, whoa, what the fuck is that? It looked like a falling leaf, but it was actually flying. We're like, whoa, what is that? And it's like coming near us and it lands kind of like ten feet away away from us and and lands on the ground. We're like, what the heck is that thing? So we kind of creep close. As we got close, we realized it's this giant moth or this giant butterfly that was easily bigger than my hand. I've never seen a butterfly or a moth or whatever it was that big. I posted a picture on the uh the vietnam no i posted a picture on fuck what album is that in hold on i posted a picture of that in the myanmar album it's one of the last pictures in the album and so when we get to this place on the border it's really really rugged and it's yeah i just it's hard to describe there's the reception area is outside and it's just got a roof on it. There's no doors, so if it's raining or what, if it's windy, there's nothing you can do. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just open. So that gives you some idea. They have a couple dogs kind of hanging around, and a little restaurant, and a bunch of motel style, like really separate units. And they look, it looks really creepy. There's like little lights around. You got to walk down this dark road to get to your. Uh, sweet and it looks haunted. Like you go in and it's like, oh this looks kinda like somebody died and it. it's kinda creepy and but whatever. It's a place to rest our head and take a shower and whatnot. So we put our bags down and immediately we go out into the town, which is about three blocks away. There's a little market with some shops. There's like a seven eleven there, which we grabbed some juice and some yogurt and we also grabbed some street food. There was it was it was all really sketchy. There's like huge plates of like fried grasshoppers and fried maggots and fried cockroaches and just fried bugs. Like there's a cart of those things. And that's pretty much what it was. There's nothing really n- normal. And then there's a place with chicken and rice. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, this is, I have to eat and I don't really want to eat street food, but I, I have to, cause I'm going to starve to death otherwise. So I ate the chicken and rice It's really cold, which kind of worried me cause maybe it had bacteria on it. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get sick ate the food, went back to the hotel and woke up the next day. And we took another car service to the border of Cambodia. Now, Cambodia is a little sketchy because when you go to the border, um, our car service guy, for some reason, I wasn't really sure what was going on, but for some reason he says, okay, I'm going to drop you off here. Like before the border, what you're going to do is you're going to walk down here Walk through there. Push past all these people. A lot of people are going to try to talk to you. Don't talk to them. Don't look at anybody. Hold your. Be careful that you know with all your stuff. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck is going on? Like, are, are we going to be okay? He's like, everything's going to be fine. Just wait for me. Go about 200 yards. I'll be on the other side and look for me. Okay. Don't talk to anyone and and just just look for me. Okay. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's like, all right, drops us off. We got all our bags. We're pushing through these people. There's tons of people coming up to us, surrounding us. Hey, man, you want a taxi? You want a taxi? Get in, get in. Good price. Come on, man. And we just kept walking, pushed through, and people start following us like, hey, taxi. I'm like, okay, this is kind of sketchy. I'm clutching my bag like it's like my child, and I'm trying to protect it. And we push through. We get to this, like, we don't really know where to go because we're kind of lost. There's, it's not really set up in the way most organized borders are set up it's kind of like you know there's gates and fences and things aren't in english and people kind of like hounding you and it's like all right so we finally find our way it says foreign passports all right that's us let's go go through there we meet our guy and he's like okay what you guys need to do is apply for a visa so we already knew this so it's like 20 bucks per person per visa you apply basically as you get there so we get there they're like oh yeah it's going to be um another like a thousand baht we're like what what do you mean it's like the guy this is the people that they work for the Cambodian government. They're at the like customs place, and they're like yeah, it's a uh, twenty dollars plus a thousand baht. I'm like, what do you mean? The sign says twenty dollars. It's like yeah, I know that's an old sign. It's uh, another another thousand baht. I'm like, well, dude, what the fuck are right? you? You're trying to rip us off. It's like yeah, well, that's how it's gonna be. And I was like, well, what's the thousand baht for? If I mean, why why like what if we didn't have any baht? You know, nobody told us about this. We it says twenty dollars. We go online. It says twenty dollars. The sign says twenty dollars. Now you're asking us for a thousand dollars. This sounds like a shakedown, right? A, a thousand baht per person. This is like a total shakedown. And he's like, well, it's you know, it's, it's a processing fee. You know, helps get your things stamped quicker. And we're like, well, what if we don't pay? Like, well, you can't pay. You have to pay. It's like fuck it. You know, it's like I don't know how much it was. Like a couple bucks. So like, it was just, it just felt like it was a total scam. And. I didn't like it. I don't like scammy scammy people. But whatever. It's a couple bucks. We paid it. We don't want any problems. We don't want to get arrested or anything like that. So paid our money. Got back into the guy's car and the guy's like, Oh yeah, my wife is here. Do you mind if we take her into this city because she's not feeling well? I'm like, Oh, okay. So she gets in, the three of us pack in the back seat and we drive. Really bumpy road, big potholes. We're swerving all over the place. There's people on scooters and horses and stuff. We're honking. We're going around them. We're going on the opposite, the other lane. There's cars traveling at us at 100 miles an hour. Really, really sketchy, but we're getting used to it at this time. This is kind of like the way things work over there. And we get to our hotel. We check in. And we get to the city of Siem Reap. Which is in Cambodia, and it's the home of Angkor Wat, that giant temple that's in the middle of Cambodia. So, we're gonna see Reap for two days. The first day, we check out some temples, we get some massages, we get some food, and we shop around the village a little bit. So, the first night, we actually go to another sunset on the top of this temple, and Again, there's you know four thousand people there. It was really beautiful, and then we go back to our hotel and wake up at four a.m. because we want to go to sunrise at Anchor Wat, which was kind of overrated. Again, there's thousands of people there, but um, you know it was an experience. And usually, people that go to sunrise because it's at four a.m. or the sun. No, sunrise is at like five or five thirty a.m. But you got to get there at four. They're so exhausted. They, they go back to their hotel and sleep or they go grab breakfast or whatever. Uh, but what we did was we got the hotel to make us breakfast and we just took it with us. So it was just like, you know, some bread and a banana, a little tiny banana. We toured around some of the temples, not in Angkor Wat, but some of the temples around Angkor Wat because there's no one there. So we got some really exquisite photos because there's no one to in the background to mess up our photo. So it was like really serene. And, you know, we did that till... Whatever nine ten and ten in the morning, and then we go to Angkor Wat, which is this big walled city. If you're not familiar with Angkor Wat, you have to Google it. It's really crazy. Uh, But the only problem is, and if you're listening and you have, if you want to go to Angkor Wat, what I would recommend is maybe do Angkor Wat first and then do the temples second, because what ends up happening is you get kind of templed out. You get kind of sick of it because it all looks the same. It's like you know, you're it's hot. You're taking a tuk tuk around the guy's like, okay, this is a a temple, you know, just walk around here for half an hour. I'll meet you over there. So you're walking up, taking pictures and you know, you get back in the tuk-tuk. He's like, okay, this is another temple. And you, you know, I'll meet you It'll take you about two hours to go through this. I'll meet you over there. Okay. So then after a while, it's like, it's all the same stuff. It's like these dirty stacked stones that are crumbling and you're taking pictures. Like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. But after a day of that, and then you go to Anchor Wat, you're like, okay, you know, I've already seen this. I just spent 10 hours yesterday looking at this kind of stuff. So, you know, it kind of is a little bit of a letdown. Not a letdown, but it just, you don't care as much. We go through Anchor Wat, and one of the temples, there was these two or three uniformed police officers. And they were saying, oh, hey, come over here, come with us. So immediately, I'm, um skeptical or hesitant I'm cynical I'm I'm thinking this is this isn't good but they're being really polite and really friendly and we were going to go over there anyway so we're like all right so we're walking through this like tunnel like, hey, take a picture here look at this tree this is this is the nice spot take a picture he's like okay now stand here you you climb up on this tree it says no climbing I'm like no 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 it's okay I don't want to climb up these like, no no it's okay it's okay climb up I'm like no that's okay because I don't want to give him any excuses to arrest me and then hey uh you're under arrest for climbing on that tree and but I'll let you go if you pay me 20 bucks or something like that. So I, I didn't want that kind of a situation. And, and Sarah was thinking the same thing, even though I don't think we really communicated with each other. It just felt really, we were feeling really uncomfortable. And they're like, no, come, come here, come here. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. You know, we're just going to check out the temple on our own. Thanks so much. She's like, no, 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 you have to come over here. I'm like, yeah, no, we don't. So I'm like, come on, Sarah, Sarah, let's go, let's go. So for some reason, I left and I thought Sarah was behind me. Sarah wasn't behind me. She eventually came behind me. I'm like, where are you? She's like, Oh, I just stopped to take a picture. I'm like, what about those police officers?" She's like, yeah, they tried to ask for money from me. I'm like, okay, did you give them?" She's like, no. And now they start following us everywhere we go. Police officers are there. I'm like, dude, I don't really feel comfortable. These guys are going to like arrest us. And we're on their turf. We, we, this is in Canada where you get like due process and, and like a a trial by a judge or jury. I mean, who knows what these fucking guys are going to do, lock us in a cage and demand payment. So we just basically ran from them, Uh, ran from them in as much as you can run, but like just walked really fast, weaved in and out of of, uh, the ruins, went through crowds of people, and eventually they stopped following us. But it was really strange. They were, It was a shakedown. They wanted money. And so then we get to Anchorwa and Angkor Wat's beautiful. It's really hot. A Bunch of kids coming up to us and they have the same spiel, all the kids, the same spiel is, is the kids in, in Myanmar. They're like, Hey, where are you from? Where are you from? And you don't want to be rude. You don't want to say, Hey, fuck off or ignore them. A simple, where are you from is an invite to a longer conversation, which will eventually arrive at them wanting to sell you something. So it's kind of annoying. Like, Hey, where are you from? Where are you from? You're like, um, canada they're like oh canada and they go on their spiel main cities vancouver ottawa blah, blah blah and that's all fine and good the only problem is every kid has the identical spiel so it's pretty clear they learned it from somewhere and they're like hey man get these postcards 10 for a dollar One, two, three, four, five. 5 and they start counting to 10 and i don't know it gets kind of old after a while and they do not leave you low and like come on come on just buy it buy it and then Maybe later. Maybe you come back later. No, maybe I won't. And uh, people, you just, you cannot go anywhere without getting harassed by Cambodian folks. Just And they'd be like, hey, lady, hey, lady, you buy? You, you see in my store you buy? Come back, you buy, shop. Hey, sir, sir, you want coconut? You like coconut? Nice ice cold coconut, sir, come back. And we're like, no, no, no. And then they just follow you and they're like, come on, you buy these postcards. Come on, lady, lady, maybe you think about it. And it's like, fuck enough already. It's like, you know, 10 little Cambodian kids surrounding us, and then the merchants of the shop, they're they're yelling at us to, to buy things, and it's like, uh, I, I didn't like that at all. It's But whatever, they gotta make their money, right? I would actually be happier just to give the money to leave me alone, but, you know, I'm not rich, so I didn't do that. And, you know, it also encourages them to continue to do that. I kind of want these kids to go to school. Maybe I don't, whatever. So later that night, we go back to the market and do some shopping. There's some like, you know, we get some, a bite to eat somewhere. It's pretty good food and pretty interesting markets. There's like a, well, whatever. And so later we go back to the hotel and we get, we go to this buffet with dancing, like a traditional Cambodian dancing and a buffet. And there's, you know, 300 people. You got to book tickets through the hotel. And then the tuk-tuk takes you there. You, it's like all you can eat. And then you watch this show. There's like, Performance, these dancing, and then you leave. The next day, we go to Nam Pen, which which is a city in Cambodia, and we meet. We're we have Sarah's friend with us, and she knows a guy from Toronto who has a twin brother that happens to live in Nam Pen. She's never met him, uh, but we meet up with him and we go to. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. We go to a bar and a restaurant, and he basically kind of told us what it's like how if you get stopped by the police you don't stop if the police try to pull you over you just try to outrun them because if they stop they'll basically rob you and uh the the people are really nice um when you want something like if you want if like trying to get food at the table like getting a beer getting getting some chicken or whatever you want they're really good about that but getting the bill uh, you might wait an hour to get the bill, and you ask like, "Hey, can I get the bill?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, right away." And then fuck, twenty minutes will go by, and then there's no bill. And then you get somebody else like, "Hey, man, do you think you can get our bill?" They're like, "Okay, okay." They'll run to the back. Twenty minutes goes by. The manager will come by like, "Hey, man, we're just waiting for our bill. Can we get our bill?" They're like, "Oh yeah, sure, no problem." Another twenty minutes. Like, Dude, what the fuck, man? Like, I didn't get that part, and so I asked the guy like, "Is this common?" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." It's the getting the bill is like notoriously difficult in Cambodia. So from there, we go back to the hotel the next morning, go for a swim, have a beer, by the pool, go to some of the... Actually, you know what we do? We go to the killing fields, the Khmer killing fields, which was lame. And I knew it was going to be lame because it's there's not going to be piles of dead bodies. You know, you take away the dead bodies and what do you have left? You have a field. So it's like, well, I'm going to pay 20 bucks to look at a field that used to have dead bodies. Well, I don't give a shit about a field, right? And... Basically, that's exactly what it was, just a field. And then there was these like pits and like, hey, in this pit used to be, you know, a thousand dead bodies. And you're like, oh, OK, well, I don't really want to take a picture of a big hole in the ground. So so that was kind of lame and it was hot and I wasn't feeling good. And then we went to the tool Slang genocide museum, which has this dude named Pol Pot P-O-L-P-O-T and he was a nasty man from I don't know 30-50 years ago I can't really remember and he basically had this camp which was all these kind of looks like apartment buildings but inside had all these prison cells where they would torture other Cambodian people and it wasn't really clear why they did that and the the situation was like pretty horrendous because they have pictures they have like all the torture racks and you know the the little cells where they had people chained up and the, the feces buckets. And they, this guy who's like, the got the tour guide. He was really passionate about this. He's like, almost looked like he was going to cry. He's like, why would Pol Pot do this to his own people? And it's like pretty moving. Right. But they have pictures of all these like tortured souls and all these, uh, bones and skulls with bullet holes in them. it's like pretty overwhelming. It's like, yo, look, I, I mean, I'm all for remembering the past, but, I don't really need to see this. It's really disturbing. It kind of made me sick to my stomach, to be honest with you. So I just kind of went outside and didn't really enjoy that part of the tour. Um, that was actually first, and then we went to the Killing Fields, and I didn't really enjoy the Killing Fields either, but whatever. The next day, we traveled to Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, which is used to be Saigon, which used to be the home of the Vietnam War. There's like a jungle, like the Vietnam jungle that's outside the city and that's where a lot of the uh vietnam war was fought with the americans and there's these coochie tunnels which are now a tourist attraction and you can go underground and walk these tunnels And these tunnels are tiny because if you don't know vietnamese people generally are really small people so you know five foot five maybe 120 pounds. So they fit pretty good. And I'm not a big guy. I'm like five, nine, 150 pounds, let's say. So I wasn't too worried about being stuck, but the guy, so it's like, you know, a two hour bus ride out to, to get to these, uh, to this jungle. And the tour guide was pretty funny. He's like, Hey, just so you know, if you have a gut, if you're a belly, if you're a big guy, you might get stuck. And if that's true, then everybody else We'll get stuck too because you're gonna basically plug up the hole and it, we're all gonna be trapped. He's like, but don't worry, we'll get out eventually because in two days when you start losing weight from not eating, uh, you'll fit through. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, well that's that's not cool. And he's like, if you're claustrophobic, this tour is probably not for you. So it's like, well, you know, I'm not claustrophobic, but I'm also not in love with tight spaces. It's not like I'm you know, happy about being buried alive. So I'm like, you know, I I can deal with this. I tried to mentally amp myself up. Like, you know what? You're fine. You're okay. It's all in your head. So we get to the jungle and it's raining. So we get these like rain jackets, which are a dollar each. And they're just like a plastic bag with a hood and sleeves. And so we're traipsing through the jungle. In the background, we hear explosions, like gunshots and explosions. So it's like really authentic to it's very easy to put yourself into that mindset. Like this could be a situation. Like, I think usually people in the war are much younger than I am, maybe like 18, 19, 20, but you know, I'm still feeling like a pretty young guy. I'm traipsing through the Vietnam jungle and there's bombs and gunshots going off. And it's like, this is a really authentic experience. If you ever want to know what it was like to be in a war. And this is terrifying. So anyway, our tour group marches through the jungle in these little paths and we're stopping every so often to look at some hole and there's this like little spot that we're all hovering around covered with leaves. And all of a sudden this guy pops out of it. It's a tiny hole the size of like, I don't know, like say like a cafeteria tray or something, maybe even smaller than that. And this guy pops out of it and we're like, whoa, what the hell? So it was like the entrance to one tunnel and it was very narrow. And I'm like, well, is that the opening? Because if that's the opening, then I might not be able to do this because not that I wouldn't fit, but it was tight. And so I'm kind of working myself up unnecessarily because I think this, I have no idea what the tunnel is. I didn't Google it beforehand, but from what I heard, it's very small and narrow and confined so that's playing in the back of my mind. And this guy just popped out of a thing the size of a dinner plate. And I'm like, whoa, this is this is getting intense. Uh, so so he gets out, this kind of military guy. I'd have pictures of that in the Vietnam album that I posted and, on Facebook. And uh, so Sarah's like, dude, I want to try. So Sarah gets in there and she goes down the hole and closes. What you have to do is hold the lid You get in the hole and you pick up the lid and you put it above your head so your arms are straight up and then you just bend your legs and lower yourself down straight and the last thing to go are your arms and then the lid closes down and there's leaves all over you you put leaves on the lid and before you do it and then you lower yourself down and then kind of put the lid in place and it just looks like a floor of like a, a forest floor of leaves and you can't tell that anyone's in there. It's pretty cool. And she got really dirty cause it's pouring rain and I didn't want to do that. So I didn't, I didn't go down there. And then we see all these like trap doors where it looks like grass, but then you like poke, poke it with a stick and it flips over. And there's like a five foot drop with a bunch of spikes, uh, and all kinds of really cool techniques and, and openings you'd get to like this, like little mound. And then there'd be a cave where you could crawl down and go into the tunnels and then eventually we get to the tunnels, and we're walking down, and there's a bus load in our tour group. Our tour group is the size of a bus, so I don't know, whatever, f- let's say 40 people. And we are maybe in the middle of the pack. So there's 12 people ahead of us, there's us, and there's 20 people behind us, or whatever. So one by one, we march down, single file, down these steps into this room, and then we go lower ourselves down into the tunnel we get even further down so we're about 5 meters below ground and we start marching and i'm like in my head saying you're okay you're okay this isn't too bad this isn't too bad so we all start marching and i'm telling myself oh this is really exciting this is really exciting and the reason i'm doing that is because i don't want negative thoughts to enter my mind and make me focus on the situation and the situation is I'm in a very tight space in this solid rock tunnel, which is barely big enough to fit me. And I've got no way of escaping because there's 20 people behind me and whatever, let's say a dozen people ahead of me and it's winding. So I can't really see ahead of me. I can only see Sarah I because Sarah's ahead of me and she plugs up the the space so i can't really see around her because the space is so small and we have to crouch or crawl in some spaces and it's getting narrower and narrower and narrower and I'm like you're okay just breathe you're okay and it's hot and it's stuffy and these guys behind me were like being loud and like barking like a dog and that kind of got into my head and all of a sudden we stop and i go yo what's going on and sarah's like i don't know so sarah goes to the person in front of her hey what's going on and the girl's like oh uh so we stopped for like five minutes and we're just sitting there and I'm thinking in my head, okay, fuck, just, just stay calm. Stay calm. It's okay. It's okay. This line will start moving. This line will start moving. It doesn't start moving. So I'm like starting to freak out I'm like kid. Okay, don't freak out. Don't freak out. I say, Hey, what's going on up there? Uh, it's like, Oh, we, we stopped to take pictures. And as we did that, the people ahead of us kept going and we don't know which way to go. There's a fork in the road and we don't know which way to go. I'm like, uh, okay. Well, you gotta pick one because you can't just stay down here. And they're like, well, no, we we don't know which way to go. We don't. And they were really indecisive. Like before going in, they're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, this might be scary. I don't know if I want to go in. And they kind of talked themselves into going in. And now they're stopped and they've kind of panicked and they're blocking up the whole line and everyone's screaming at them like, go, oh, just go left, go left. It doesn't matter, just go left. And She's like, yeah, but I think I saw people go right. They're like, fine, then go right. Just start moving. This is like everyone's trying to keep calm, and, but people are freaking out. So they go right, which leads to an exit. And so I'm like, I could go, I could go left, which continues on the tunnel, or I could go right and take the exit. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I've had the tunnel experience. I don't need to go anymore. Let me the fuck out of here. So I get up to the thing and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was really crazy. There's no way in hell I'm going back down there. So we go to this other place and watch a video of like the Vietnam War and the building of the tunnels and all that kind of stuff. And take the bus back. We get dropped off at this war museum, which was really horrendous. It showed another side of the war, like all the children and women that were killed uh, by American soldiers and Um, all the bombs that were dropped they had like broken american planes and all these photographs of like um, because they dropped agent orange uh the americans and it messed people up for many many generations so if your grandfather was in the war and he had kids and they had kids and they had kids four generations later if they were still seeing mutations from this agent orange and it was horrendous like really giant heads and people born without limbs and stuff. So after a while, I'm like, you know what? I I can't look at this stuff anymore, right? So I basically bowed out. I I just sat and, and stopped watching. It was horrendous. So we eventually made our way back into the city. We checked out some markets. And they had, like, tons of bootleg stuff. Like, pretty much anything you can get, like, lots of polo dress shirts and uh Nike shoes and Adidas gear and Gucci bags, like basically anything you want, you can get this market. And uh so yeah, we checked around there and we we're told by many people to like watch our purse and watch our camera and people like, oh yeah, you can't have that camera out. Somebody's gonna take it. What they do is they drive by on these scooters and they snatch it off you and they just rip it so hard it breaks the strap. So that was a little sketchy. So we've just walked around, we bought a few things from the markets and Got some some food. Uh, Sarah slipped down these stairs, which is really kind of unfortunate because I I kind of saw it coming and I didn't warn her, and I felt if I could have warned her, I could have prevented it. So she's walking down these like slippery stairs. It's raining, and on the last step, it's has a layer. It's like a, has like a little puddle, right? So what happens with her shoes is she's going to hydroplane. She's going to step on it. Her shoes are flat and it's going to slip from under her. And I was about to say something like, Hey, be careful. But I know Sarah, she is a really careful person. So I just, I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe I won't say it. And as I was about to say it, she slips and flies back and falls down the stairs, like bum, 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 like three or four stairs, scrapes her back and bruises up her elbow. And it was really unfortunate. I, I didn't like seeing that, but you know, sometimes that kind of thing happens and there's nothing you can do. So she, she got up and, uh, went for breakfast. So then we took a car service. I believe we took a car service to, uh, Nan, Tr- or Natrang, which is another city by Saigon or Ho Chi Minh city. And, uh, there we just went to this kind of mud bath place and we swam in the pool. They had like a heated pool, a cold pool, a waterfall that you could stand underneath, underneath a mud bath, uh, You know, it was was pretty cool. It was very touristy and lots of tourists there, mostly like Russian and European people. Uh, So that was kind of interesting. And we spent the day there. Uh, There was a storm coming in or a storm that had passed. The ocean was like really muddy and dirty, but we went there anyway, just checked it out. Uh, Traffic was crazy. There's bikes everywhere. And to cross the road, there's no street signs like, okay, it's a red light. Now we can cross. No, there's none of that. You just have to go when you go. And what we've what we discovered by looking at the locals was you just have to walk really slowly and people will move around you, which is hard to get the courage to do that at first because you're walking into like a picture, like a stampede of horses like charging at you, and you just walk into them and hope that they see you and walk around you. It's like really terrifying, and the, that's essentially what it is like these speeding. Uh, scooters and cars, and you just walk really slowly, and they they move around. You eventually get to the other side, and so from Nha Trang, I believe we took a bus or a car service. I can't really remember how we get to place to place, uh, but it wasn't by plane. I know that. So anyway, we end up in a city called Hoi An, and Hoi An is near the coast of Vietnam, and you know it's a two thousand year old city. And we walk through the village, which has a lot of the same type of shops. They have paintings and places to get faux. and but it's not it's kind of like underdeveloped. It's not it's kind of third world. and you know there's seamstress places. There's tons of seamstress places where they can like make you a suit and some pants and all these jackets, like anything you want, it's like custom made to fit. So I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, what's the most expensive? material you have like go oh, we have this like cashmere wool blend i'm like okay give me that and uh, like make me a pair of pants like some dress pants because i have a hard time finding dress pants that fit and also cheap you know i can go to like a banana republic in in canada but i'm gonna pay like 200 bucks for a pair of wool pants so here i get custom made pants so i had like two ladies like measuring me and they're like okay uh come back in like an hour I'm like, okay, well, I could do that, but could, can you just drop them off my hotel? I'll, I'll pay you extra. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So it's like, okay, cool. So we get measured. I walk out, and, like, it's kind of raining and the storm's coming, so we just go back to the hotel and do a swim and relax, and I think we just kind of stay around the hotel at that at, for that night. And, and the whole time, as soon as we got to the pool – uh, well, actually, when we're in the pool, they were preparing for the storm, which later turned out to be, like, th- there was this typhoon that was coming that later turned out to be Typhoon uh, Hoyan or something like that. I can't remember the name of it. It's, like, decimated the Philippines, and that was heading right to us. It Well, actually, at the time, it was in the Philippines, and it was projected to come and, like, directly hit us, like, in our resort in our this little town of... Hoi An, so we were a little nervous, and everyone's, uh, they're t- like tying the trees, like the palm trees, they're tying those down with the rope. And as soon as we got to the pool, they put tarps over, and they taped up all the windows. And they're, we're going through the city, and there or the little town, and they're everyone's like boarding up the windows. And I was like, okay, this is pretty serious, right? So at night, everyone's just kind of hunkering down. We don't go out, like you know, the wind is is going. It's like really rainy. And so we just go across the street get some pho from like a really it's like a, it's like a street food place it's not anywhere near a restaurant and Sarah there's some like banana leaf rolled up with like a piece of string wrapped around it and it's sitting on the table as we arrive. So Sarah opens it and she's like, huh, what's this? I'm like, Sarah, don't eat that. You don't know what it is, right? She's like, oh no, it's it's fine, I'll just try it. I'm like, Sarah, that was there when we got here. That could be anything. That could be a piece of turd for all we know. So she bites it and she's like, I think it's pork. I'm like, you think it's pork? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. She eats the whole thing. Later, it turns out she's like throwing up in the hotel. She's really sick for the next three days. Uh, but anyway, so the next day we just, Uh, she's not feeling well we go to get massages Um, the my ladies come by the hotel and drop off the pants the storms coming in everyone's just hunkering down we're sitting in the lounge playing foosball and all the hotel guests are in this lounge because you know they can't go anywhere and it's kind of scary to be honest with you this big typhoon slash hurricanes coming right toward us and then one of the hotel guys comes down, he prints off this thing from the internet. He's like, guys, can I have your, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention? We just received word that the typhoon has diverted, like taken like a sudden right turn is heading up the Northern coast of Vietnam. So it's actually not going to hit here. So everyone's clapping and celebrating. It's like, Oh, thank God. The only problem is the typhoon is now heading to this place called Hanoi and directly hitting Hanoi, which is where we're supposed to go in the morning, the next morning. So we're like, okay, uh, that's not good. So we wake up the next morning. The hurricane is in Hanoi. All the airports are closed. There's no flights. There's no buses. There's no trains. There's no nothing. And we have to get to Hanoi to get to Da Nang, which is the next city. So we are like, okay, what do we do? I'm like, well, I don't want to go but well, we can't go to Hanoi. And even if we could, I don't want to go there. So what I do, what I recommend is we go back the way we came. Oh, by the way, I remember how we got to Ho Chi Minh City and Nha Trang. We took a train and it's an overnight train. And it was the worst experience, one of the worst experiences of my life, because you're in this tiny little cabin with bunk beds and little tiny foam mats. And it's very uncomfortable. The train is shaking back and forth. Like it's going to derail. It's bouncing up and down. It's vibrating. It's next to impossible to sleep because it's so noisy and shaking. And it's like, you know, rocking back and forth, going to the bathroom. There's, is is out of question? And that was like an 11 hour experience where we had to sleep on the train. And then the next night, uh, we do the same thing. It's like an eight-hour train ride. So, so anyway, we're we're at this uh, Hoi An hotel. We decide. I'm I'm suggesting. Okay, let's go the other way. Let's go back on those trains, as as crappy as those trains were. At least it was heading south, and this storm is heading north. Once we get back into Saigon, which is has an airport, we can fly to Malaysia. We can just bypass the whole rest of our Vietnamese tour. Like I'm like screw Hanoi. That place is is a write-off. It's got a hurricane and all that kind of stuff. So Sarah's not too keen on the, the train ride. So she's like, okay, well let's just book another night at this hotel. And we're like, okay, fine. We'll do that. It was a pretty expensive hotel. And then the next day, all the airlines were still closed. All the trains were still closed. We couldn't have taken a train anyway. Cause that was closed. Everything was closed. So we're like, well, we could stay another night here and hope for this storm to pass. Or we could take a taxi to a city called Da Nang and stay there by the airport and which we have to go to anyway. And the hotels are much cheaper. So like, okay, let's do that. So we get our bags. We go to Da Nang, which is the third largest city in Vietnam. And it was really, it was really cool. It wasn't as busy as Saigon or Ho Chi Minh city. And The hotel guy was really nice. He was a Vietnamese guy, but lived in America for six years and uh, knew about Seattle, which is very similar climate to Vancouver. So we're kind of chatting and he's a young guy. He he managed the place um, for his family, actually. It's called the Orange Hotel. So we basically skipped the Hanoi tour, which was supposed to be on this, like, we're going to go on this boat ride in the ocean where there's a hurricane. So I'm like, yeah, no, let's not do that. So we skipped all that completely. So we just asked the hotel what there is to do in Da Nang. He says, not much. Just kind of tour around, check out the Dragon Bridge, check out the street food, check out the statues down by the water. So that's what we did. We just walked around, took pictures. And the next day, he, the, the owner of the hotel, or the manager of the hotel, drives us to the airport, and we go to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, which is the last leg of the tour. We've been on vacation for three and a half weeks. And I'm homesick. I haven't I've shit my pants. I've had a two nights on a train. I've uh, been on crazy bus rides that I was about to I felt like I was gonna die. I've been in the hot climate, eating street food. And I'm really looking forward to being in a modern city and even more looking forward to going home. So if you don't know, Kuala Lumpur is a really more developed city. It's got these massive uh, twin towers called the Patronus Towers, which were featured in Mission Impossible, uh, like I don't know Mission Impossible Four or something, and it's it's those two towers with the bridge in the middle, really famous. So we checked those out. Uh, we checked out the Batu Caves, which are really awesome. You you walk up these 500 stairs, and on the stairs are all these monkeys. And these monkeys don't give a shit. They take whatever you have. So they'll like jump on you and grab your sunglasses. If you're holding water, they'll take that. If you're holding food, they'll take that. So we were warned and we went with like nothing. All the stuff was in our bag and we walked up and they're really scary. These little tiny monkeys, they're screaming and they're getting really close. And there's hundreds of them. If they wanted to kill you, they could. And the stairs are really steep. And if they jumped at you, you might... You know, fall backwards and trip down the stairs, and, and you might die. So it's like really scary. You're walking up these this really steep mountain, essentially, and then we get to the Batu Caves, and they're amazing. These really exquisite caves with uh, you know natural sunlight pouring in, kind of a rainforest vibe going on. It's uh, Really awesome. And I posted pictures of those in my uh, Malaysia folder on Facebook. So. I have a bag filled with cookie or like with garbage and I'm thinking, well, this is a good opportunity for me to take out some of the garbage and put it in this trash can. However, as I took it out, a monkey jumped on me and grabbed it out of my hand. Like, Holy Christ. It was like, happened so quickly, scared the heck out of me. Uh, So, so that was kind of scary. And we just made our way down the stairs. There's this giant, golden buddha statue it's like one of the biggest in the world and so for the rest of the day we went to the patronus towers they have the a, a really famous mall a really huge mall everything's really expensive like there's like gucci stores and and you know hugo boss and you know basically everything's really expensive but the food court is good we ate at the food court we went to the patronus tower so you take for 27 bucks you can tour the bridge and then you can go up to the 82nd floor or whatever so a few cool things about that is when you're standing in line there's like this these streams of smoke that come out and then they project a hologram on those smoke and the the hologram is this lady telling you some of the safety features it's really awesome to see like a hologram right in front of you i've never seen that before So then you get in this elevator, and the elevator is not outside, it's inside, but what they've done is have all these LCD screens around you, projecting what the outside of the hotel looks like, so as you're going up, it looks like you're looking outside, so it looks pretty cool, and then you get off the tower, and you walk, you take pictures, get back in, you go up to the top of the 82nd floor, and tour around, it's really incredible because as you're looking out the window, you're looking at skyscrapers, but they are half the size of where you are the patronus towers are so large that you can look out at the landscape and skyscrapers look tiny it's t- like twice or three times the size of a really tall building so that was kind of cool and there's a storm coming in so in the background we see some lightning we got some really great photos uh, i posted those on my facebook as well so at night we meet up with some people and have some drinks and tell stories. And the next day we fly out to Taiwan on the hello kitty plane. And I haven't seen Sarah more excited to be on a plane in her entire life because it was actually, the plane was delayed and it was delayed for a while. So they just grabbed another plane. So Sarah's like really upset. Like, Oh man, I really, I really wanted to book that hello kitty or go on the hello kitty plane. It's the only reason I booked it. And now they switched the planes on us because the other one was delayed. Oh, I'm so upset. So we walk into the plane and there's like Hello Kitty everywhere. And Sarah's like, oh my gosh. And she's like taking pictures of everything. It's really kind of, it's kind of cute to see. And then, so from Taiwan, we have to fly to Hong Kong to catch our flight back to Vancouver, but we only have 30 minutes to get off the plane to get on our next flight. But because our plane was delayed in Taiwan now we only have five minutes to get on the ho- the uh, Hong Kong flight and we're really nervous that we might miss it and if we miss it there's not another flight to Vancouver until Tuesday which is we we're traveling on Sunday so it's like a really big deal that we get on that plane so we have these stickers on us that that let the stewardess know that we have to have a transfer so they look at our these stickers and be like okay and they'll kind of usher us along so we sat way at the back of plane lands and if you've never been on a plane as soon as the seatbelt sign comes off everyone stands up and they grabs their bags and they flood the aisle so it's like oh christ we're not gonna we're not gonna make it right so i grab our bags and i'm just like excuse me excuse me excuse me i'm pushing through you know people probably thought I was a complete asshole because it's like yeah well what are you doing man like you're pushing everyone aside so you can get off the plane first but little do they know i've got a plane to catch and it's like leaving right now so we go through I pushed through the curtains of first class because I had a stewardess tell me like, come on, come on, come on. So I go through the the one curtains. I go through first class and the stewardess at first class like looks us up and down and stops us for like, as we're rushing off the plane, she's looking at us like, Hey, wait, you guys aren't rich. You don't belong here. And then she sees our stickers and she's like, Oh, okay, no, it's okay. Go ahead. So yeah, I don't know. We, we get on our plane and fly to Hong Kong we have some time to kill, like four hours. Actually, I think that was from KL Kuala Lumpur to Taiwan and then the Taiwan to Hong Kong, that flight, that transfer was like five minutes, we had to make it. But once we were in Hong Kong, we actually had like four hours to kill. And the Hong Kong airport is awesome. It's like a mall. There's lots of cool shops and duty free shops and a food court and they have Wi-Fi for so checking email and that kind of stuff. So that was really awesome. So then we got a flight back home, another, whatever, 14-hour flight. We tried to get some sleep. I I ate a lot. Sarah wasn't feeling well in the food court in Hong Kong, so I ate my food, ate her food. As soon as we got on the plane, they fed us again. So I ate that, and I'm, like, bloated, I'm stuffed. Four hours later, they come by with another plate of food. I'm like, no, 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 I can't. So I just, you know, we're just watching movies, and uh, finally got back to Vancouver and got home. The weather is freezing cold, and... It is really exciting to see my cat. He starts freaking out, starts meowing because you know, think about it, we just leave for a month. Cat has no idea where we went. So he's like is really, really exciting to see my cat. He is really happy to see us too. And uh, so yeah, now that I'm back, I'm just uh, you know uploading photos, making videos, recording podcasts. I've got a ton of other writing projects that I gotta get to. I'm probably gonna put out a short story I wrote a year ago probably put that out in the next couple of weeks. And then I'm going to finish the project or the, the novel that I had to put on hold when I was putting prodigy out. So I have to finish that. And then I'm going to start in the new year, a new book, which I can't really talk about because it's really exciting and it's really awesome. And I'm giving myself, usually I write a book in about a month and a half maybe two months and then it takes me two years to edit it i don't edit it for two years i basically sit on it for two years and then it takes me another like four months to edit it or maybe i don't know something like that i write the book in about six weeks i edit it for another six weeks and then i sit on it for two years and then i revisit it and edit it for a couple months however with this book i'm writing i'm going to give myself five months to write it and whatever another couple months to edit it so so because I'm giving myself such a long time to write this book, it speaks volumes to how much planning and preparation will take to write this book. I I hope I can pull it off, and if I can, it should be amazing, but, but who knows. And then after that, I've got two other novels I want to get to. I've got scripts to write. I've got short stories to write. I'm going to be really, really busy in the next two to three years, but I've got some really exciting projects to come up. And I still have three novels that have already been written, already complete, and I'm going to be putting those out in the next couple of years. And those, if you're a fan of my writing, those next three are really, really great. They're the best stuff I've ever written. So I'm really excited to put those out. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you haven't already followed me on Twitter, do that. If you haven't liked me on Facebook already, do that. And subscribe to my YouTube channel. I try to post a few videos and whatnot. So that's going to be it for another episode of the Edward Mullen Podcast. Thanks for listening.